This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And this is the Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, whatever's going on in your heart, in your life. And we know there is a lot of crazy things that are happening. And I know there's a lot of mixed emotions, a lot of, well, at least I'll speak for myself, a sense of, are we ever going to return to normal again? Uh, whatever you want to talk about today, we'll be happy to do it. All you need to do is to call us. Uh, you can dial area code 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app and send in your questions that way. If you are driving in your car on these damp streets on this cool Friday, uh, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen, and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Our main number, one more time, is 340-9585. I hope we're a pleasant distraction for you today. We've had lots of calls and lots of emails, and people, well, what do we do now, and those kind of things. It's just uh, one of the craziest times ever. For the first time for me in almost 25 years, I'm going to be preaching to an empty church tonight, and then again on Sunday as we are... Uh, honoring our president's request and our governor's request uh, to limit uh, corporate meetings um, for the next two weeks. So I'm going to be doing the Bible studies. I do Bible studies on Fridays. I do Bible studies on Sundays. And that's what we're going to do. And uh, you can watch by tuning in to calvarysa.com. Uh, at 7 o'clock, we'll be live streaming the service and you will see our worship team. Uh, at least a part of our worship team, and you will see me, and then uh, Paula will be somewhere in the auditorium, and then we've got somebody running the uh, cameras and 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 uh, doing the audio and stuff for the live stream. Um, but you will just be joining us virtually, and uh, we'd love to have you come tonight. I'm going to be starting in First Peter chapter four, the first eleven verses. Now, one of the things now. The, before I go to this, what are, we're going to do the same thing on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to be here live at 8.30. Um, the doors will be locked. However, um, you can tune in at our regular service times on Sunday at 8.30, at 10.15, and then at 
and we will be doing the same thing and you can join us that way remember it is a way to stay connected through the church hear any about anything that's going on um it's really important that we sort of stay in god's word together uh, in these two weeks that we are going to be away from one another in person now here's the thing i was going to say remember that um with the huge numbers of people live streaming there might be some problems, so what you can do if you can't get it the first time uh, while we're doing it live is you can simply uh, go to it uh, a little bit later and we will archive them and you'll be able to watch the Bible studies at any given time. It's a great opportunity to sit down with your family and say, you know what, we're Christians, we do church, so we're going to do church just like we were there, only we're not going to be there. So it's going to be weird. Pray for me. It's going to be really, really strange. At the same time, um, I'm just looking forward to what the Lord is going to do. Uh, We have to remember that he's in control. And while we don't like these things, um, we're servants of God and we do what he tells us to do. And in this particular case, for the time being, uh, we're going to honor the request of our state, local, and national leaders. I was wondering what you were going to do, you know, thinking about, well, all the time you've got. And by the way, you've got plenty of time to call today. There's no reason not to. You've got nothing else going on. But um, um, one of the people in our church, they blessed us so much this morning. Paul and I were at home. She was reading to me, and uh, we were just finishing praying. And um, Paul said, I think there's somebody out there, and somebody parked in front of our house, and they were just sitting there. So she opened the door, waved to them, and they waved back. It turns out it's two people in our church. And they said, you know, cabin fever, we've decided to spend the, the morning by driving by people's houses that we know and love, and we're just going to pray for them while we're here. What a great thing to do. What a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep looking up. Redeem the time. That's what I'm going to be talking about tonight the value of time and the little bit of time we have left before the Lord comes. So, just be sure you don't leave Jesus behind. Now, before I get into some questions, let me also say this. This is a very special day for me because it was March 20th, 55-0 years ago that I met Paula for the very first time. You've heard me say we fell in love instantly. We've been together ever since. But 50 years ago today, I'd seen her the week before. I mentioned that on the program last Friday. Uh, A friend of mine got me her phone number. And so this was the day in the afternoon I called her from I was in college about 70 miles away and she was still a high school student, a senior. And I borrowed a car I I had planned to borrow a car, so I called her and I said, "Um, um, this is Ron, Larry gave me your phone number, Larry was a friend's name who got me the number, and I'm sure he told you that I was going to call you, so I'm coming down there tonight, and I thought maybe we could go out. And Paula said, oh, I can't go out tonight, I have a date. Now, I'm thinking as quickly as I can, And here's what I said to her. I said, well, I'll call back in 30 minutes. Break it. And I did. And she did. 
A couple hours later, I'm knocking on her door, and she opens it, and we are absolutely in love. She swears that she heard a voice. Now, neither one of us were Christians at the time, but she swears she heard a voice that said, this is the one for life. It terrified her. At the same time, we were so crazy in love. And we spent every minute that we could until our mom kind of kicked me out of the house. We just spent time together. The next morning, we got up. On March 21st, and I took her to Newport Beach. I already had planned to go with some of my friends to go surfing. And Well, when I met Paula, I didn't even think about surfing, but we still took my friends, but, but she was with me. And we spent that whole day together. And that Saturday at Newport Beach, California, she was already saying things like, wouldn't it be great if we could grow old together? There was an old couple that walked by us on the beach and they were holding hands. And Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could grow old together like that? And, and see, here we are. We finally made it. So it's a time for me to think about the goodness of God, the sovereignty of God, how he took two people that didn't even know him then. But we look back and we can see how his hand was evident in our lives. So, sweetheart, I know you're listening. The day I met you was the second best day of my life. Only meeting Jesus topped it, and that took a long, long time, as you know. And I want to publicly thank you for praying for me, for hanging in there for those 13 years. I want to thank you for your heart for Jesus and your heart for me. It's been a pretty good 50 years. One of the things that we agreed on today when we were talking is, boy, where did the time go for these 50 years? Well, it's gone quickly. But I love her more today than I did the first day when she took my breath away when I first saw her across the gym that first Friday evening. 50 years. God is good. Okay, let's get to some questions and do what we do on this program. The first one is an anonymous question. Pastor Ron, should we give our tithes to the local church or can we give money to other things or other people? Uh, anonymous, first of all, let me, let me deal with this issue of tithing. Tithing is not a New Testament principle. We're not obligated to give a tenth. That's what a tithe means. But whatever you give, whether it's a tenth, and that's okay if that's what the Lord is leading you to do, but a tithe is an obligation. An offering is a free will offering of love. And yes, we should give our offerings to the local church, the church that we are fed by, the church that we're a part of, the church that provides us the opportunity to use the gifts that God has given us. And that ought always to be the first place that you give. And I think if God leads you to give extra to other people or organizations, well, then I think that's fine, but make sure that doesn't come out of the money that is required, um, you know, to keep your church functioning. So, yeah, the church is God-ordained, or God's ordained uh, place or opportunity to give. And if you feel bad about giving to the church that you go to, then you probably ought then to go to another church. Remember, when you give, you're giving a gift. You don't control it. You don't insist on how it's used. You give because this is the church that God has led you to. to. And as you give to that church, you trust them to fulfill the mission that God has given that particular church. 
Now, having said that, remember, the money isn't yours. The money doesn't belong to your church. The money belongs to God. So one of the things, and I think this is one of the reasons, Anonymous, that so many um, Christians and churches are are so tithe-oriented, it's not a tenth of the money that we have that belongs to the Lord. It's all of it. And what we do then is we simply say, Jesus, what do you want me to do with your money? Now, he's going to let you keep most of it. Please don't misunderstand. But when you really understand that it's his, not yours, we don't uh, earn $100 and say, okay, Jesus, here's $10 for you and 90 for me. We say, look what you've done, Lord. You've, you've blessed me with $100 this week. What do you want me to do with your $100? And then, walking by faith, you direct that money to where the Lord wants. Again, he's going to let you keep most of it. He understands that we have a need to live to pay our bills, especially in a time like this when there are so many people who are hurting. But just remember, it's his, it's not yours, and your job, your only job is to be a steward of that offering. So, Lord, what do you want me to do with your money? I want to be faithful. And I promise you, he'll speak to your heart. God loves a cheerful giver. You be that cheerful giver. Proverbs says that a generous man or woman will himself or herself be blessed. And we're going to find out our God is very, very generous. If there are people that you can help, God will put them on your heart. Again, especially in a time like this when our economy is evaporating before our eyes. And people who had a job just a couple of days ago no longer do. The Lord will direct the money. And remember, all you are is a conduit to let God's money go to the people or the organizations that God says. Should it be a tenth? That's under law. How much more, Anonymous, should we give under grace? 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Let's go to Bernie, Texas, and talk with Jarrett on line one. Jarrett, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Yes, thanks for having me. I just love your show. And Pastor Ron, I just, I want to just, I felt led to just encourage the audience right now. Uh, The the ground is extremely, extremely fertile uh, with just people with their eyes kind of opening up to things. Our, our foundations are being exposed uh, with this storm. And I just want to encourage the believers out there just to be on the lookout for people that are having their eyes and their ears are finally opening to some things. Because over the last five days, I've had unbelievable conversations with people that I've been praying for for many, many years. And I'm emotional because it's... Uh, it's amazing what the Lord's doing, and I just want to encourage people to be on be on the lookout. And uh, I, I know I know He has us, and I know there's people out there that are, you know, their eyes are opening, their ears are opening, and just be on the lookout for that. I, I thank yeah. you for your show. I love it, and uh, just be on the lookout for uh, for people that are, you know, their foundations are being exposed, and and you know, point them to the rock that, that can't break and will never break. Uh, <laughs> and that, that's the answer. I, I love you. 
I love your show, you. and uh, I'll, I'll continue to be in prayer for for you and Paula and and uh, your your church family and all the people out there. Thank you, Jared. God bless you. I appreciate it so much, and I couldn't have said it any better. Let me add that that we live in a time right now where you can see the fear or the uncertainty when people's routines are broken. You can see just by looking at them the pain they're in. And Jared is exactly right. Those people, even people that have been rejecting your message, uh, people that, that maybe you don't know them and you're afraid that they won't be receptive. Um, remember, our job is to offer hope. And we can do that. And he's right. The, the, you know, Jesus talked about the, the fields that are ripe for harvest. We're, we look all around and when you see people that are afraid, you see people that are on the verge of panic when people have lost um, whatever it is in terms of a routine uh, or a life that that they thought provided some safety and security. Um, I promise you, they will hear. And even if you don't get a result immediately, the Holy Spirit is going to go behind you and sort of water the seed that you were sowing. So we need to look for opportunities. We need to talk to people. Uh, Paul and I, we were able to go to breakfast yesterday just before the the um, breaks, you know, in a restaurant close to us, but not in San Antonio. And we were sitting down and eating and, and even talking to our server. Um, we wanted to be sure to leave her a double tip. Um, we wanted to let her know how grateful we are that she was there. And it provides an opportunity to tell people about Jesus and to show them who he is. And you could hear Jarrett's emotion. That's what happens when you let God use you. So this is a time when people need answers. And you and I, born-again believers, we're the only ones that have answers. And so we tell them about Jesus. That way, whether they make the choice to follow him or not, we've done what Jesus would have us do. And he will look and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Then you know what else will happen? He'll bring more people into your path. You be active in sharing your faith. Yesterday, Paula was talking about Nehemiah's wall, the rubble that was so bad and she talked about having to get all of the rubble off the foundation so that a good wall could be built. And Jarrett just spoke of, of foundations that people are finding they thought were strong but aren't strong at all. We have the opportunity to help people rebuild through all of the rubble. We get to tell them to take this piece of rubble and that piece of rubble and take it away. And if we'll do that then Jesus himself, the real builder, will build a solid wall on that broken foundation. But it'll be a wall that'll last. So, Jared, God bless you. You keep sharing Jesus with people. The Lord is pleased. He also uh, said he'd be praying for us as a church. Can I take just another moment to tell all of you, give all of you a couple of things to 
to, to pray for and to pray about for us. I think the big thing that, uh, for me, relative to our staff here, is Malta Medical. Um, that's our free doctor's office. We're around sick people all the time over there. And I would ask you to pray for our doctors, our nurses, and the entire staff there, um, that the Lord would keep them safe, that he would insulate them from, from this virus uh, so that they can continue ministering to others. We have a small staff over there, and if we get word that, that one of them is positive for this virus, then we've basically got to shut down um, while they go through the quarantine process. And, and that same issue is going on all over this, this country uh, as it relates to medical professionals. And people getting saved at Malta Medical. In the office there, they're doing what Jared suggested we all do. They're looking at broken people and they're trying to give them hope and direction. And we don't want that to stop. So I would covet your prayers. I would covet your prayers for our medical staff and the work that's going on there. For our church, just pray that the, the love and the unity that we have here would would not diminish, that people as they are away from church and away from fellowship for a couple of weeks, that they wouldn't drift away, but they would press in even more closely to Jesus. And then... The other thing I'd ask you to pray for is remember those who are the most vulnerable. Now, not just from the, the disease, certainly that, but the the elderly, those who are already compromised with other physical conditions, those who, who would be hit the hardest um, by this virus. Um, keep them in your prayers. Always keep them in your prayers. But also those in our society. Um, we've got a dear friend of mine, a man who works in a high position here in the city. Doesn't work for the city, but in the city. Um, and he's trying to deal with the homeless population who all of a sudden have been cut off from even the ability to live. So pray for them. There's nobody down there that they can panhandle from. There's no restaurants open where they can get food that's thrown away. Just keep them in your prayers. The Lord loves them, and maybe some of those will be saved as well. Let's go to Federico from San Antonio on line one. Federico, thank you for calling. You're on the air. I've been well, thank you. Oh, great. I was thinking of, uh, you probably know it by heart, Second Chronicles 714. Mm-hmm. If my people would humble themselves. If my people would humble themselves. And that's where it all starts. Yes. Step one. If we can humble ourselves before God and recognize that we have done evil and wickedness, not only in the world, but inside the church, mm -hmm. you have so much arrogance and pride selfishness and greed 
and we twist the word of, of God around to suit our own ideology. If we would reconsider and examine our hearts, like the Bible says, and then God will heal the land. We need to humble every single one of us, including pastors and leaders, because that's where the judgment of God is going to start, is inside the church. Because you're in charge, I'm in charge, and I'm going to have to give an account to God. All of us are preaching uh, scriptures that, are, that pat myself on behind the back. Uh, nothing will enter into my home. That's, but we're missing the point that we're not preaching to humble ourselves yeah. before God. Every single one of us, pastors, leaders, worldly people. Yeah. And Federico, I would, I would, I would say, especially pastors and leaders. It's incumbent upon us to set the example. And this is the first time on this radio program I've heard that verse in the Old Testament quoted in the correct context. In these last days, God's people are the ones who need to humble themselves. God's people are the ones who need to turn from sin and turn to God. And you just preached, Federico the first half of my Bible study tonight, which you can listen to at 7 o'clock on calvarysa.com on the live stream. Thank you for calling, Federico. We've got 30 minutes left in our week, 340-9585. This is the Word of Santa for Life. We'll be back in two minutes. If you have questions about the Bible, you can send them to Pastor Ron and he'll answer them on the air or reply directly to you. Email your questions to PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. That's PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. Back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the Word to Stand On for Life. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. You know, uh, I, I have a sense, not not because of anything I do, um, but I have a sense that radio programs like this and the teaching programs that are on this wonderful station are going to take on an added significance in these crazy days that we live in. And uh, I think you just heard why. I feel like that. And those two phone calls from Jared and Federico. Um, you know, it's so easy to keep focused on all of the uncertainty around us. And what we've had is two men who called in who are clearly keeping their eyes on Jesus. And we can learn from them. We can learn from them. What Federico said about taking responsibility individually, taking responsibility as a church, judgment begins at the house of God. And I've had a sense that this whole thing is going to cause a shaking out of the church. I think what we're going to find is there's a whole bunch of people who have a professed faith, but not a real faith. I think it's in times like this where God's church grows. Let me say this, we're in the last days. 
And I believe Jesus is coming. I believe he can come at any moment. And I feel more strongly today than at any time in my 29 years with the Lord that that moment when we're going to be called to be together with him in the air is at hand. And if that's the case, then we've got to make sure that we're telling everybody about Jesus to give them this opportunity in these last hours. Not naming dates. I'm not a sensationalist. If you've been listening to this program for any length of time, you know that. But the Lord is coming. And we need to be ready. And as Jarrett told us at the first phone call, when Jesus wants to do something, he will really use those of us who are his. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. This is Princess from our email inbox. Uh, with the many online services, what a great opportunity to send the link to folks who would not normally go to church because of their busy schedules. We now have their undivided attention due to the lockdown. Princess, I love the way you think. I agree. And you I know, now see, I don't have the technical ability to send a link to anybody, but you guys all know how to do that. So yeah, let them know that tonight at 7 o'clock at calvarysa.com, there's going to be a Bible study that's basically going to be what... Um, Federico just shared with us. And then we can even go back a little further to Jared's phone call. And then the the last half of that is going to be about how we use the time. Time flies. We don't have as much time as we think. So now, people who have nothing to do, what a gift of life that you'd be offering if you just say, you know, why don't you tune in at 7 o'clock to calvaryessay.com. Listen to the music. Listen to the worship. And then listen to the Bible being taught. Hour and 15, 20 minutes out of their life. You know, when I told Paul, I said, you know, I don't even need a watch tonight. I can talk as long as I want. We don't have to worry about it. Nobody's going to be here. But, you know, an hour and 15, 20 minutes. And we have an opportunity, Princess, to know the one that we know. Thank you very much for sharing that. See, that's what I mean when I think about keeping your eyes up instead of out. Here's a question from Tina. She says, I have a question about gossip. Is it gossip gossip if you're trying to help someone change? Now, Tina, I don't understand the connection between those things. I'll talk about gossip, but I I don't know for sure what you mean by trying to help someone change. Sin never helps anybody change. So gossip is never okay. Let me define gossip so everybody understands. Gossip is anything you say bad about somebody with malicious intent. Anything bad you say about somebody, even if it's true. If your heart is to hurt them, then you're guilty of the sin of gossip. It is one of the prevailing sins in the church, and we think nothing about it. It's sort of the the acceptable sin. And even as Christians, we have a way to sort of sterilize it and instead of calling it what it is. Well, you know, well, I'm just concerned about them, so maybe we can pray about this. If you really want to help somebody change, Tina, 
then don't talk about them. Talk to them. And do so in love. And here's a great general rule of thumb for everybody who belongs to Jesus Christ. If you have something to say about somebody that you haven't already said to them or wouldn't say to them, then don't say it at all. If you have to say something, talk to Jesus and pray for them. But you've got to pray for them with a heart that looks in to you instead of out at their heart. You've got to pray with a heart that really wants the best for them. And, and if you don't want the best for somebody, then, then you pray for them anyway and let the Spirit of God change your heart in the process. It is never okay to gossip, Tina. Not ever. And um, it is one of those sins of the tongues, according to James that destroys people's reputation. And every time we gossip, it destroys a little bit of our soul. Don't be guilty. Let's go to Jimmy on line one. Jimmy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Oh, hi. How are you doing? I'm well, Jimmy. Um, yesterday, yesterday, I, I, um, I picked up my mom and I took her to our house because, you know, after the, the mayor of San Antonio came out and made a speech, I, I, my wife and I just came back from uh, dinner, and my mom had a scared look on her face. And I said, what's wrong, Mom? And she said, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. And I said, don't be afraid. Trust in the Lord. Don't be afraid. So I called my wife, and my wife says, you know what? Um, we're going to invite her over to our house tomorrow, and we're going to celebrate baby Joseph's, uh, <clears throat> our grandson's birthday, and, and we're going to have her around our, our house. And we had dinner and we had a great time and she was at peace and um so i come home and i come by her house today and and i, I and i told my mom stop watching the news so much because it's overwhelming and, and then she and then she's watching the news again i said mom yeah. watch something else watch gun smokers watch something else right <laughs> it's overwhelming and she's I said, I don't understand. We're trying to help you, and you're not, and you're not listening. And she's like, "Well, I don't know." And I, I just heard, I, I just got your message about praying for Doctor Jesus, and, and 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 I'm not gossiping about it. it just it just breaks my heart that she yeah. doesn't want to listen. And I said, "Why don't you just focus on on the Lord and?" Focus in the church you go to. Oh no, she doesn't even go to church. She just doesn't want to go to church. And 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 then last yesterday, I, when I was taking her, it was at four thirty, and I had her on your radio station. You and Paula were talking about positive things, and I was hoping that she would listen to what y'all were saying. And I don't know. I, I don't, Pastor Ron. I just have to continue praying. But I just don't understand how God. I I just want God to touch your heart, and I guess I just want it now, but. I guess I have to be patient about it. <laughs> Jimmy, you know, Paula prayed, you, you know Paula prayed for me for 13 years, and, and uh, she wanted God to touch my heart every day right, right at that moment. And just not only pray for your mom, but let her continually see that you are at peace. And then, you know, what I started telling people who've rejected over and over and over, I just tell them, look, if you ever really want to talk about something important, then I'm here. I'm available. And just leave that there for her to chew on and, and just say, you know, I've got the answers, mom, if you want them, then you, I've told you enough. I'm not going to bug you about this, but if you want the answers, I've got them and I'll be happy to share them with you and, and then pray, 
And, and it's got to be a work of the Holy Spirit. Jimmy, you can't save her. Uh, only God, the Spirit of God, can save her. And so that's what you need to do. Thank you, Jimmy, and I appreciate knowing that you guys are at home and praying for us as well. Give Martha our love. Let's go now to line two and talk with Matthew from San Antonio. Matthew, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Yes, hi, Pastor Ron. I'm a long-time caller, long-time listener. Um, Thank you, Matthew. I just uh, want to uh, uh, let you know that uh, you've got uh, have. I'm praying that God will give you the wisdom and guidance and strength through all this. And I appreciate everything what you're doing with the radio show, even though all this is happening and stuff like that. So God bless you, Pastor Ron. Thank and, you. Um, May you continue to, to give us hope like this and uh, with, with God God and God using you, you as a tool. Um, my, my question is kind of, I, I want, maybe I'm going to answer it myself, but I kind of want you to elaborate. Um, okay. What's the, what's the difference between, because I, uh, I know the word says uh, God does not give us a spirit of fear. And um, I just don't. I don't know the difference. Well, it's not that I don't know, but it's I, I uh, struggle between um, fear and concern uh, because <laughs> with my family, I have a son and me and my wife. And um, I, uh, during all this stuff, I just, um, during everything that's going on, I don't know to even distinguish between fear or concern because I'm like, I'm concerned with my family uh, and on on their well-being, but then again, I don't want to drift into fear. So if you could elaborate between the two, that would be really great, and I will uh, listen to you uh, off the air. And as always, Thank you, Matthew. Pastor Ron. Thank you, Matthew. Stay safe and, and uh, keep reading the Bible to your family and keep praying for them and praying together as a family. That's the best way that you can show genuine concern for them. Um, a couple of things, and I'm going to uh, repeat something I said yesterday because I was listening yesterday to, to Tony Evans, who uh, I just love. I, I, I don't know him. He's not uh, one of the pastors that I know even a little bit. We've never met face-to-face. Um, but he's a man with a, um, a heart for God. He's, um, you know, we don't believe all the same things. We don't do church exactly the same way. But if I wasn't a pastor and if I lived in the Dallas area, that would be a church that I could go to and serve and use my gifts. And he said yesterday about this very thing. He said, when concern becomes worry, you've crossed that line. When concern becomes worry, you've crossed that line. And because we all worry, you know, I can tell you, Jesus tells us all the time, do not worry, be anxious for nothing, don't worry about tomorrow, today is enough. Over and over and over, Jesus tells us those things. The Apostle Paul, Peter, James, the other writers of our, uh, of our Bible, they say the same thing, that we needn't worry. But I can promise you, every one of them worried. But what they did with that worry, Matthew, is they laid it at the feet of the cross when it came. When I worry about something, I realize that is an enemy. When it says in the Bible that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, and that's one of those cliche verses that is used out of context so often. 
We immediately are condemned when we feel fear or worry. No, it's what we do with the fear, what we do with the worry. And so when you're worried about your family's health, you've got to remember that God loves them more than you do. When you worry, as, as so many are at this hour, worrying about how they're going to pay their rent or how they're going to put food on the table. I mean, we have a whole service industry that's lost their jobs and their source of income with no reserve. Their source of income has been cut off completely. And of course they're going to be afraid, and of course they're going to worry, but as believers, when that worry comes, that's when we carry that worry to Jesus. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. He said, I will give you rest. The Apostle Paul talked about learning the secret of being content in all circumstances. Those are things that we have to learn. And Matthew, the way we do that is when the enemy is going to take those concerns and start manipulating them and twisting them and turn them into worry, that's when we've got to remember to run to Jesus. Now, we also have to be realistic. We know that Christians are not immune from all of the bad things that happen in this world to, uh, to unbelievers. Things happen to them. It happens to us. The rain shines on, or falls on the just and the unjust. So we, we get realize that, that we live in a fallen world and we all live with consequences. So as we begin to worry about those things, we need to remember to run to Jesus. He is our source of strength. We have to identify the source of the fear or the worry. It's the enemy. And then we have to make a choice by faith about who we're going to listen to and how we're going to respond. You know, our Bible is full of examples, both Old Testament and New, of people who are worried about things. And we, we're given the, the privilege of seeing into their hearts through the inspired word of Scripture. And we can see how they dealt with their own fears, their own concerns. The Apostle Paul, for an example, Matthew, we know that, that God allowed a messenger from Satan to buffet him in the flesh. And we're talking about a severe physical problem that was 100% the hand of the devil. And the Lord told Paul that he gave that suffering to him as a gift to help keep him from being conceited because of the surpassingly great revelations that he'd received. In other words, Paul needed that suffering. Now, while we don't like to suffer, I think we've got to understand that suffering is a part of what we do. We need not to be thrown off by it. We need to realize, as Paul was told by Jesus, that his grace is sufficient during those times of suffering. So what we need to do is just remember, God loves those family members. He never said that Matthew has them in his hands. Jesus said, I have them in my hands. And when bad things happen or when we're facing times like the one that we're living through currently, we've got to remember that Jesus is the only one who knows what's going on. You heard me talk at the beginning of the program, Matthew, about today is our 50th anniversary of the day Paul and I met. And again, we've been together. No, most people don't celebrate that. We do. We've been together ever since. We knew from that very first moment that we would be together forever. 
the God who is sovereign in power to do that when Paula and I were both enemies of God. Well, he's the one that's got this whole mess in his hands. And we've got to stop thinking that that means that nothing bad will happen or that we will be protected. No, it means that we are the ones who need to know that when we're afraid, when we're concerned, we got to rush to his throne. Because when we do that, well, that's where we're going to find the security and the safety of our salvation. That's why I say just be with Jesus, Matthew. I will say this. While you, I want you to be honest with your family, especially your wife, um, with her fears or your children's fears. Be honest with them. But you've got to set an example of steadfastness. Be immovable. I like when Paul says that. Be immovable. And you've got to be sort of the spiritual thermostat in your home so that when your wife or your children are beginning to let concern turn into worry or maybe panicking a little bit because of fear, then you've got to be the one that they can count on to walk that steady line. And Matthew, I know you're doing this already, but just for everybody else in the audience, you and your wife together reading the Word, and then you and your wife together with your children reading the Word, two different things. Believe me, God will knit your hearts together in solidarity. And He'll be there, and you'll know He's there. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And Matthew, as you know, that promise is in good times and bad. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. And all of you, stay safe and keep your eyes on Jesus. 340-9585. I lost track of the time, but I think we got time for another call, or if you want. Kevin says... Why are churches more intolerant of homosexuality than fornication since both sins are equal to God? Um, Kevin, I don't think churches are more um, tolerant of homosexuality and fornication. I think that because homosexuality is such a topic in our church culture, I think that it seems that way. I can tell you here at Calvary Chapel... Um, I speak way more about sexual purity in the heterosexual community than I do about sexual purity in the homosexual community. You are absolutely right. Both sins are equal to God. Uh, The fact that somebody is having sex with somebody they're not married to, whether it's somebody of the same gender or somebody of a different gender, uh, makes no difference. Sex outside of marriage is sin, and we need to be absolutely intolerant of it. So, Kevin, I think that that because our focus is so much on on the 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 gay agenda, the the the, the demand by homosexuals that we approve their sin, affirm their sin. I understand why it can seem like. We're out of balance in regard to this, but I can promise you that's not true. It's certainly not true here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Hope that helps. Here is uh, an anonymous question. Can a Christian marry a Catholic? 
um, you know, Christians can do anything we want. Paul says all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. So, um, you know, we we can make the choice, but when a Christian marries a Catholic, then it's an unequal yoking, and there's going to be a ton of pain. A ton of pain. Now, if your question was, should a Christian marry a Catholic, my answer would be no. Um, you know, there are some born-again Catholics, not many, but there are some. And so it wouldn't necessarily be an unequally yoked marriage in terms of salvation, but it certainly would be unequally yoked in terms of commitment and understanding and how can two walk together unless they agree to do so, Amos says. So husband and wife, they don't become or remain two people when they get married. Two people come to a marriage, they get married, they say, I do. They make promises to God and then they become one person. And when a Christian would marry a Catholic and he or she's going to go to one church, the other's going to go to the other church. They're no longer one. And in that case, it's just simply not possible to have fruitful marriage or fruitful ministry. I think sometimes we have a tendency to think that, well, you know, I love him or I love her. It's going to be okay. God wants me to be happy. That's not what God wants at all. God wants us to produce fruit. He said, I've appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And I would add abundant fruit. And you can't do that if you're walking in different directions. So Anonymous, I would strongly advise, as a Christian, I would strongly say not to marry a Catholic. Um, Usually they don't listen, and there's lots and lots of pain, and then they take up a whole bunch of time in counseling with their pastor, wherever they go, and all because of the mistake that they made. Remember, marry somebody who loves Jesus as much or more than you do, and you're going to be okay. Hope that helps you. We don't have time to go into another question, so let me remind you, all of you, that we will be live streaming tonight at 7 o'clock at calvarysa.com, 1 Peter chapter 4, the first 11 verses. I want to thank uh, both Jarrett and Federico. They were in the wrong order, but uh, they they really kind of preached my message tonight. Uh, So that'll be at 7 o'clock. On Sunday here at Calvary Chapel, uh, I will be here doing the service live at 8.30, and then that service will be replayed online at 10.15 and 11.59. And uh, then after that, uh, a couple of hours on Sunday, you can go to calvaryessay.com and just go into our archives and get it very easily. Um, wherever you go to church, remember to pray for your church. Reach out to the people in your church. Remind them what I've been reminding you all day. Keep your eyes on Jesus. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Have a wonderful weekend. Make Jesus the center of it. God bless you. I'll see you on Monday on AM 630, The Word. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Amen.